Welcome to Flight Following. Flight Following, an aviation podcast where we exclusively talk about all things aviation. Today we're in the cockpit at Perry Air Flight School. All right, welcome back to uh, Flight Following. This I'm Cody Winter, and uh, sitting across from me is Alex Zoltak. How you doing? What up? What's up? So this is our Flight Following podcast. We're here at Perry Air in Perry, Georgia. We're trying out something new, trying to have some fun and see what we can make of uh, the podcast world. I I enjoy listening to podcasts all the time. I've always wanted to try one out, and uh, I think it'll be something fun for us. Absolutely. Well, go ahead and introduce yourself, Cody. So I'm Cody. I am uh, 21 years old, just turned 21. I'm a flight instructor. Uh, been been flying for about three years now, um, and I uh, have the dream of hopefully one day being a military pilot or, you know, who, who knows? Who knows what's going what's gonna to happen? Awesome. Well... You're also the general manager of Perry Air Flight School. Yes, sir. And I'm the owner of Perry Air Flight School. My name is Alex Zoltak. My boss. My boss. And, yeah, we're going to have some fun today. We've got a few points to talk about, but it's everything aviation. And if you have any questions, it's our first episode. If you have any questions, send them in, and we'd love to get some ideas of what you guys want to hear. Absolutely. Yep. So the first thing to talk about today is I think, Cody, you could start this off, is let's talk a little bit about why it's such a good reason to get into aviation right now. Yeah, it's a perfect time to get into aviation. I've been telling all the students this that I have and all the people that, that call up here looking to get uh, some information about aviation. And it's just, it's it's so important to understand that before, you know, we're in a, we're in a pandemic right now. And before this pandemic, there was a shortage of pilots. And uh, there was a, there's a strong need that everybody was getting hired by airlines. And uh, you just, anything you did, you were going to get hired by an airline. And, and it was just, there was such a shortage of pilots. And um and now that this pandemic has ha- happened and, uh, you know, they, they've furloughed a bunch of pilots and, um, and let go of a lot of people that, you know, were great pilots and, and now they're out of a job that in five years, you know, from now, you know, it's 20, beginning of 2021, five years from now, I bet there's going to be the biggest shortage of pilots probably of all time. And, and, and so now if you're looking into getting aviation, especially for a career, it's a great time to get in now. Go ahead and get all your ratings. Uh, get that commercial license, go be a flight instructor if you want to, build those hours so when the airlines are, are starting to call people, you know, you're ready to go. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that gives a good point to why we're both sitting here is I'm on the exact opposite of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. My my way is is I like to bring aviation to the working person, Absolutely. The, the person who wants to fly because they love it, not for not for any sort of commercial use. But we do it all here at Perry Air. And I think what's important is that you look at both sides of it. You start off for commercial, you know, because you, you have big dreams of becoming a airline pilot, or you can, you know, take it back to just pleasure. Pleasure seeker is the ultimate way to travel, ultimate oh, yeah. freedom. Absolutely. I mean, I, we get a lot of different kinds of people, a lot of different kinds of suits. That's what's so great about being a flight instructor is, is uh, not only do you get paid to fly airplanes, but you get to meet all the different kinds of pilots that are going to be out because not a, not everybody wants to be a career pilot. You know, some people just want to come in here and this is something that they want to knock off their bucket list, getting a private pilot's license or, you know, even just soloing. It's such a big accomplishment. Uh, just just being able to hop in a plane at your leisure going from, you know, that's being able to travel by aircraft now. It's amazing. I know. There's, there's no other feeling like it. I completely I completely agree. It's it's the ultimate way to to journey the world Mm -hmm. you can you can travel from one place to the next and you get there quicker don't have to wait in line no no traffic no tsa no tsa and that's the best part right there absolutely yeah yeah so you know for anybody that's listening to this podcast 
you got to pick out what you want in aviation, whether it's pleasure or whether it's commercial. But, you know, none of that's required. You just fly. Yeah. It's crazy. When I sit out here and I see all these different students from different ages just hopping in the plane, taking off, you, you never know. You never Absolutely. know what kind of person is, is going to want to fly. You, yeah. We had an 80-year-old, an 80-year-old. We've had 16-year-olds fly here. Yeah. Yeah, so it's – it's Yeah, you train you, – and, and, like, you know, the training is, is all the same, but it's a little different for each person because – you know, I've had I've had students that want to do this as a career, and I've had you know the, the perfect example of this leisure kind of flying. If if you're not doing it as a career, I had a I had a student. She was uh, an older lady, I'd say probably upper seventies, uh, sweetest lady I've ever met. And she came in and she told me straight up that you know she doesn't want to do this as a career. She does not obviously she doesn't want to do it as a career. And she knows she, what she wants. She knows what she wants. And she does not want to she never wanted a solo. She never wanted to get her private pilot's license. She just wanted to come in here for, you know, one time a month and just fly because it's awesome. And that's what she said. And, and, I, and that to me and it, when I was training her, I enjoyed my time so much more flying with a person like that, believe it or not. I you know just because I was just up there sightseeing, having a great time. I love looking at her and she was looking out the window and smiling and laughing and just she was, it was like, she was a kid again. And, uh, you know, and everybody can get that experience. And that's what's so great. You know, you're, you know, you're 30, 40, 50 years old, you come out here and if you've never flown in a little aircraft, like, you know, a Cessna 172 or anything like that, it's a, a mind, well, it's a, it's a life-changing experience being able to, to fly. I mean, it's just crazy. I know my first time was the first time I stepped foot in a little airplane. It was mind blowing. I was hooked. And as yeah. soon as I did, I started. That's why we think Discovery flights are so cool because it's it's not about the price of Discovery flight. It's the fact that you get to experience it. And if it's yeah. not for you, one out of a hundred, it's not for them. They try and they don't like it, but what, that's okay. What was your first flight experience like? Oh, it was it was really intense. I I uh, was in a one seventy two. First, this is of course first small plane. When was this? I, How long ago did you get into it? Probably two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen. Gotcha. And I took off on this airport actually, and just as soon as I got to about a thousand feet, I just thought it was a cool, but you know, I had a lot of misconceptions. I thought you had to be good at really good at math. I thought you, you had to call and ask and see if you can land at a different airport. I thought TSA was even, you know, part of the mix, but all that stuff just does not apply for general aviation. And that's why I love it. What about, yeah. I mean, what about your first experience? I have a, um, I have my granddad knows a, a, a man named Jim Kerr really nice guy. He owns a uh, Cessna 172 in model. Um, and he was nice. I, I, I always wanted to get into aviation. I knew that I always had a, I had a military, you know, military family growing up and I knew I wanted to be a pilot and, um, from a very young age. So I knew I wanted to do this. So in high school, I was like 17, 18 years old and I've never flown a little aircraft. I don't even know if I've ever flown on a plane. And, uh, he, he took me up, you know, cost free, and I got to go up and he flew me around for like 45 minutes to an hour. And it felt like forever because it was just awesome. I mean, was, as soon as we got out on the runway and we throttled full and as soon as the wheels, you know, left mm -hmm. the runway, it was, I knew one, I was nervous because yeah. I, I knew that that was something I wanted to do. You know, this was, this was awesome. This was the best thing that I ever experienced ever by far. And, uh, but I remember the one thing that really like sticks out to me about that moment and I wasn't nervous. But I was, I was so tight and like clenched up the whole entire flight because I couldn't, yes. I couldn't relax. And I remember when getting out of the flight and like the next day I was sore 
from the flight because I just like could not relax because I was like I don't know if it was nervous or I was excited or whatever, but it was just that was the one thing that really sticked out to me about that moment was I was just so clenched up and and just tight the whole flight. But I mean, I I still enjoyed. It. I loved it. It's kind of a mix. It's a mix of excitement and nervousness. I think. I think oh, yeah. when you hop in a plane, you you don't trust your instincts. You don't trust the fact that yeah, you know this plane has flown since 19 what was what year was his jim Kerr's plane 1978 79 something like that yeah you you don't you know that the plane's been flying around mm-hmm. without any issue since 1970s but it's still not enough for you to feel comfortable if you've never been in it before right. so i know it's hard for a lot of people to jump in these discovery flights yeah but when you do it i just remember the smells and i remember it was cold and i remember all those things and just like seeing the clouds and getting close to them and yeah. And then after you landed, you feel like you accomplished something, oh, even yeah. in a discovery yeah, flight. Yeah, even if you didn't do it, yeah. You didn't touch any – I mean, I think maybe I touched the controls a little bit, but – and that's – I think as far as the challenges of aviation, so the, the fun is one thing, but the cha- the biggest challenge for me was understanding, you know, a car, you turn left, you turn right, you hit the brakes, and you hit the gas. Well, with aviation, you've got another – you've got a whole – you've got pitch and y'all, and, and that – it's like you're standing on a beach ball, kind of. It, it is. It is. It's part of the challenges to learn how to become a pilot. Yeah, I remember hitting like the two, three hour mark into my training. I was like, man, this is tough. This is something. Mm-hmm. This is hard. You know, the, it's a. It's not like driving. No. You know, it's, it, people say it is. I don't think so. I think it's a whole. It's a whole other world. It's something you got to learn, and and that is the challenge of it. But the biggest challenge, in my thing, in my opinion, was because you know I'm, I'm, I was never a big studier. In high school, uh, in middle school, none of that. I just, I just kind of, I did good in class by just listening to the teacher and I did my, did my stuff. But I never went home and really studied. And in aviation, you know, in my opinion, you know, if you're brilliant enough to not be able to go home and study and still pass the check grad, then props to you. But in my, in my experiences, I've realized that to me, it's not possible. There's so much involved on the ground and studying, and you really got to, if you want to get into aviation, you got to really get right. into it. Yeah, you have to put more than just your heart in. And I agree, but. From, you know, from my experience, that wasn't too challenging. I, I did it after I was out of college. Yeah. And so I think that was, you know, you're younger and I didn't start until after I've already graduated college. So the, mm. the studying, it was a breeze. Yeah. And for someone who's been, I don't even remember there being that much math in it. Oh, know? no, the, the math part. Yeah, that was always, that was always a myth. I think that's still a myth mm-hmm. that you got to be good at numbers to be a pilot. I promise you that is not the case because I am not it, great at numbers at all. And yeah. you can... You don't have to be the smartest man ever to be a pilot. You can just, it's an average Joe thing. It's average anybody thing. I mean, anybody can be a pilot. And I think that's why I love owning this flight school. And that's why I I, I wanted to bring it to everyone. Because if everyone knew that once you solo, it gets so much easier. So it's much that, easier. and the solo, what's our solo window? What is it? 12 hours, roughly? 10 hours? Oh, man. I've soloed people at eight. It, it, you could solo it, it all depends if you can you know you put in the time and, and the effort and it's you're like all muscle memory yeah stick it? if you're a good stick and rider pilot you can solo at eight because it comes natural to some people but you know you it's really from, it does it, absolutely oh. i've had people drop in a plane now the the one guy that i sold at like seven hours or something like that he had a lot of he he flew in a simulator for fun at his house and he was just like you know what i'm done with flying the simulator i want to do the real thing and he got in a plane he was a great pilot Sold at seven hours and and had his check ride right at forty one hours. So I mean he was a great mm. student, but 
uh, you know, you can sell it anywhere from eight to 15 hours. You, you think know? some people have strong points, like strong points is the muscle memory portion, and then other people have weak points as far as the oral exam and things like that? I think everybody has their strong points, and I think everybody has their weak points. Mm-hmm. Um, there is not one person I can think of that's strong in every category of aviation, and I know that, you know, there's always going to be some weakness involved in it, and you just got to focus on those on, on those points. You know, be proud of yourself on the strong points. It's It's... If you're a great, uh, you know, lander of the aircraft, be proud of that. And, right. and, you know, you might not be the best at steep turns, but start working on that a little bit harder. And, you know, you've got the landing in your bag. So, you know, yeah. everybody, everybody's different how they fly. And that, you know, you if you do ever become a flight instructor, you get to experience that and how to, you get to see what everybody's weaknesses is and flaws and, and strong suits. And it's, it's really cool to see. Because you see, some people really love maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Some people really love landings, and some people really hate maneuvers. Some people hate landings. So I mean, it's everybody's different. It's awesome. But it's, I, I guess you know, hearing you say that, to summarize, the best reason I think to get into aviation is everything you're telling me is it's the it's it ultimately is the experiences you get to have. Oh yeah. Whether it's commercial job, you know, and and also you have the best desk job if you work. No if, doubt. if you decide to work in aviation. You're in the sky. You have, as a CFI, you have just a phenomenal job. Now, I know it can be, you, you know, trying at times with, mm-hmm. with brand new students, but that's why you went through all that training. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So what do you think, what do you think the upsides of being in aviation are? Is you think it's the cool experiences that you get to have, or do you think it's travel? What, what's your opinion? Well, I know I have my opinion. So many. Um, I think you know, it's the relationships that you build with the people, uh, the community, the, a lot, I mean, once you get into aviation, you realize how small our world is. In the so aviation. small. You'll, you know, you meet people who know exactly the other people that you've met. I mean, the, the, the aviation world is just so small. It's such a small community that you just start to learn who everybody is, how they act, everything about them. And you just start to develop all these different relationships with all these great people. And it's, it, that's, that's so true. That's the part that I really, really enjoy. Even in the even in the cockpit, in the cockpit, every pilot, good or bad. Of course, I don't, can't tell you I've met any bad pilots. They're all just different. But every pilot has a different way of doing something, and they're and it's it's so interesting. It's it's so much more than muscle memory and and learning the books. It's 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 almost emotional. It's like the way people fly is the way people do just normal things like this is going to sound ridiculous, but you know, the way everyone showers is just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the way people fly, it's all just a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. Some people are gentle on controls. Some people are rough on the controls. There's so many different techniques. I mean, we got into, I was talking about a bunch of different flight instructors about this before. Um, you know, when here at Perry Air, we, some of our students, it's a part 61 school, so you don't have to do stage checks or anything like that with a, with an examiner or with a stage check pilot. But a lot of the instructors, to get a second opinion on a student, will take uh, or give it a student to another instructor for a flight and see how they're doing. And that's when you start to realize how different everybody was trained. Yeah. Because some people land completely different than no how flaps. I land. Yeah, the flap thing is really the big the big part because, you know, uh, I was always taught to the same i land pretty much the same way right. every time but what way is uh, that are you a flap guy or no flap guy i'm a flap guy me too i'm I a like 30 it. degree i never hit that 40 though do you hit the 40 i hit the 40 every time see i never do i love it not every time but you know if if i'm trying to be procedural i feel like teaching the flap 
and so I'm a flight instructor, so I do it a little bit. Like I'm, I try to teach the same thing every time. Now, corporate pilots, you know, they're just doing it based off of their training and they, you know, whatever they feel is the best for that situation. I'm doing training flights. So, you know, I try to be very procedural and teach my students the same way every time. And not to say that I'm, I don't tell them the other ways and the other techniques just to see what they like and they feel and which one is the best. Well, you spend a whole lesson on just techniques because oh there's yes. techniques you and I don't even know. For oh, example, yeah. and not to cut you off, but I saw Greg, me and Greg flew the other day, and he had this whole different way of landing, and it was quite brilliant. It was, it was, it was a whole different way, and he is, he's a 10-degree de- flaps guy, 10-degree takeoff oh, guy in the flaps, and I never use flaps on takeoff unless, it, unless it's like a, you know, a short field land, a short field takeoff. He, he, so he takes off with 10 degrees every single time? Uh, well, I mean, I can't speak for every time, but the time we flew, and it was it was seamless, you know. He felt it. Yeah, I mean, hey. That's uh, what makes planes are so cool is it's not like a car. You don't just crank it up the same time and drive the same the same way every time. You, you know, you do it all a little bit different. And it all depends on the situation because, you know, there's so many different uh, – it's not – the conditions are always different, always. And, and it you know, it differs from even location in the world. Uh, there's Isn't always, that the truth? there's always different situations that you're going to find yourself in that you didn't experience ever before. Uh, always. I yeah. can attest to that. Yeah. I mean, and weather, you know, you, you just, there's so many different situations. Yeah, you can teach a student, you know, a, a quartering crosswind at this, but that quartering crosswind is going to feel so different, you know, in the summer or in the winter, everything is different, but you can't prepare for it. You have to feel it. And like what? my dad, for example, he's a pilot. And he flies completely different than I do. He's got a helicopter pilot, so he likes to be low and and slow. But it, he's just got a. It's it's a, it's everybody has their own tactic and their own way to fly a particular airplane. It's really cool. It is. It is. And it all really depends on who you got trained by. I mean, you just develop, yeah. uh, and that's why an instructor is so important when you get into your training. Um, you know, you've got to find an instructor that you like. Right. And that is as a fact. You, you know, if you don't like the instructor you're with. Find another instructor. It's quite easy to pair up a new student with an instructor because, like, you they're can find... so new they don't know anything. You yeah. know, they, they whatever the instructor says, and it's so weird to me. But whatever the instructor says is is the Bible from here on out. You know, it is exactly what you're gonna say. You yeah. know, it, it's gonna how you, it affects how you're gonna act if you ever do. Be, I remember when whenever I did become a flight instructor uh, for the first couple of lessons, I saw myself saying the exact same things that my instructor was no saying because you just develop those tendencies because that's what you've been hearing. You know, it's I think it's, it's almost like a father figure, you know, if you're if you're a mother yeah. figure, whoever your instructor is. But yeah, it's it's But I agree. And I think what you're what you're really getting at is the fact that you put a person that never has flown an airplane before and they get in the seat next to you and you're performing you know, you're performing the airplane, you're you're flying it pro- appropriately. That person sitting next to you is seeing that and immediately this person knows what they're doing. I'm going to learn everything I can because it's, you you want to be safe. So everyone just kind of grabs onto their instructor. I did I did the same. Yeah. I had a few instructors, but that's so true. That's yeah. so true. You I know, for me though, the upside of being in aviation, you know, I know there's there's you meet new people like you said earlier, but my favorite thing about aviation, it's so simple. It's the travel. You yeah. can go anywhere in the country in so much less time. So much less time. Yeah. It is a great way to travel and it's so much easier. And especially if you if you can avoid the airlines and buying tickets and mm-hmm. going through TSA and all that stuff and and you get to travel anywhere you want. If you can ever, you know, afford to buy your own plane or even rent a plane and travel across the world with it, 
It's the best. It's the best road trip you'll ever have in your entire life. No yeah, doubt. I think I read something one day, and it was, if you fly less than a hundred hours a year, it's better to rent. And it's hard to imagine, but you know, airplanes can be expensive to maintain. But to rent them, it's usually the better route. I think if you're if you're not planning on flying more than a hundred hours a year, and a hundred hours is a lot of hours. It doesn't seem like. Yeah. That's a that's a lot of hours for somebody who's just flying for leisure. Hundred yeah. hours, yeah. Then a lot of people would be better off for than for renting than buying a plane. But also a lot of time is money, and yeah. for some big dogs with a lot of money, you know, it's obviously not the most efficient way of you know uh, financially to travel to buy your own jet. But with these people who are the big dogs who mm-hmm. have a, have a ton of money, then you know. There's there's no way you can get across the country in two hours anywhere other than aviation. You can't hide money in aviation, that's for sure. When you Absolutely. see those big old jets, uh, uh, they just drive. They're just flying around price tags. Is what they are. <laughs> yeah, every minute, a couple thousand dollars. Oh yeah. And and I think even on taxi, those big jets, they, they when they taxi, they so expensive. Yeah. And they're just sitting there. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Cody. Will you talk to me a little bit about the journey? on how what it takes and how to become a pilot well there's so many different ways now right so many different ways and not and and most people don't know the routes to become a pilot um you know and i'll tell you about the route that i went um and then you can tell me yours because yours is the exact opposite of mine right i wanted i knew this is what i wanted to do as a career for a very for for since i was a kid I never changed my mind, not one time. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I dressed up as it in first grade as a pilot because as a career day, because I knew this, I mean, this is what I wanted to do. Okay, just to stop you right there, we need that photo. I have it. And it needs to be on the wall here at Perrier. <sighs> I have I, it. I need that. I'm in a military, like, a uh, flight suit. Oh, that's, where do they make military flight, school, flight suits that small? I have no idea. You're going to have to bring that I in. I can give it my grandma on it. She'll, she'll let you know. we got to post it on our Facebook page. If yeah. more than two users, I have it. It's, uh, it's on my mom's. It's on my mom's Facebook page. Oh, she best. loves it. She posts it every All time. Right. I do something. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead about yeah. the journey to become a pilot. So yeah, I knew this was what I wanted to do, and I was about to head to college, and I knew about all these different flight schools, all these different flight options, and there was, you know, Auburn has a flight school and Middle Georgia State University, and this is the in the southeast in my. These area. are all 141 flight schools, right? Part 141 flight schools, and. Um, and I knew I wanted, you know, I needed a college degree because I wanted to go into the military. I wanted to be an officer. So mm-hmm. I figure, why not get my college degree in something that I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life? Because I was dead set on it. So um, I went and I got an aviation science uh, and management bachelor's degree from Middle Georgia State University. And what that what that consists of, because it's an aviation degree and it's a pilot pathway. So you're going to be flying while you're getting your degree. Um, mm-hmm. And so... As soon as I got there, my freshman year, summer of 2018, something like that, um, I started flying. And uh, I loved it. I was doing my training. I got my private pilot. in about six months. took a little while, but right. got, it, got it done. And then I moved straight to my instrument, commercial. And uh, then well, I went, Hold, hold on right there. You said it took six months to get your private pilot? Yeah. Um, and, and it all depends on you know where you go and availability and stuff like that. But it took me six months. I was really dedicated. I really was yeah. trying to fly every single day, well, no, every don't hour. Don't feel bad about it. I was just curious. Oh no, I mean I know people take way longer or way shorter. You know, it, it, right. everybody's different. But I had uh, we ran into some situations. We had uh, maintenance issues. Uh, planes not available. Instructors not available. Stuff like that. You're always mm-hmm. there's, there's stuff like that's going to happen where you, you get cut off for you know a week or two. You know, ideally not well, here. No, Perrier never happens ever. It's the best. 
But anyway, going back to Middle Georgia State University, um, we, I got my private through them. I got my instrument, got my commercial. And the reason I really chose uh, that route uh, is because of, I was really in, intrigued by the reduced minimum thing. Right. Uh, where you go and you get you can get your ATP at a thousand hours instead of fifteen hundred. Right. Um, if I could take it back, I would, um, <laughs> because I realize that right now at least airlines aren't hiring at a thousand hours. You know, right. you need to be experienced. So. Um, well, that might change here soon. But. Maybe. Yeah, it probably will. And that's you know that that's going back to the big pilot shortage. Just going to be happening. Mm -hmm. Definitely going to be happening. So, but yeah, that was my that was my path. I went to I went to college to do this and. Um, and that's that's the path that some people choose, and then there's a whole other path that you have that's completely d different to become a pilot than I did. And what was that? It's completely different. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, it's absolutely different. I one day I was just my my dad. So my dad was in the the army and the air force, but in the army he decided he was a helicopter pilot, and so he's got lots of hours in a in a Huey and some other helicopters. And he had his pilot's license as well because he got the add-on for his um, fixed wing. I didn't know that. I didn't know your dad was in the military. Yeah, he That's sure cool. was. He was in the uh, So Air that Force. didn't make you want to get into aviation? That, so that here's alone? why. It's kind of weird because he when, – when, when we were kids, me and my brother I have a twin brother. When we were twins, when we were kids, <laughs> not when we were twins, we, we never saw him fly. He never flew. He never talked about flying. He talked about his helicopter days. But one day – he it was back in I think 2012 he decided you know what I want to get recurring and I want to get an airplane and so he did he came out here to Perry Air Flight School what year this was 2012 wow so Perry Air opened in 2009 right so in 2012 he came out here he got his pilot's license or his pilot he got um, his uh what's it called the two years biannual he got his biannual flight review yeah but it's okay. been about 20 years since he flew so and then he took me up in it and I was hooked. I was nice. absolutely hooked. And so I just started flying with Perrier and I flew straight for about six months. And then I took off about a year just cause work got so busy. And then when I started back, I finished up and I, I don't know. I just, I, I, once you look, once you fly, you, you just never stop looking up. Like I got to get back up there. I got to get back up there. Yeah. So then I finished and my reasoning for doing it was never for anything commercial. It was just so I could have a plane and fly from destination to destination. I did. I went everywhere, everywhere in the Southeast you can imagine I flew. Nice. So, we, so we've talked about private pilots and how to go about that. There's one thing that I, that I want to get into that's so important to me, and I'll ask you about it because it's, it's directly in, involved with you. Yeah. Instrument rating is so important. You know, I, in my opinion, I think right after you get your private, I tell everybody this. I think you should go jump straight into instrument and continue your training and don't let up a private because you're restricted to so much. I and completely agree. And I'm just going to go. And why don't you have your I instrument know. rating? That is an awesome question. You Cody. own the flight school. So after I got my private pilot, I went and got my multi-engine rating. And trust me, dozens if not hundreds of flights would it have been amazing to have my instrument rating yep and for those of you listening that don't know an instrument rating you need that to fly in instrument meteorological conditions yep. which is in the clouds, clouds. Yep. yeah in the clouds and so i i just i don't fly when it's bad weather you're a good weather pilot I, yeah. yeah i mean there's a lot of those there but... is and that and it's it's a flaw yep. i i want to get my ifr and i will one day but I think a lot of people can relate and I'm not, I'm not 
advertise. I'm not saying that you should do what I do, okay? <laughs> but I, I, I do don't as have, you say, not as you do. Right, exactly. Get your instrument rating. <laughs> Go right into it. And if I could talk to myself back then, when I was a little bit more motivated, I would have done it. But now that it's done, and I've, I think I've got like six, seven hundred hours. It's just not it's not in my wheelhouse right now to jump on it. But I, I plan to soon, real yeah. soon. It's important, I think. And not not only is it important because like what you were saying that you had to cancel so many flights because it was just, you know, a cla- it was a fog right. layer or something. Um, not only that, it's such it's a safety thing for me is that when you have that instrument rating, because you found yourself in predicaments where you fly on good weather days, but not not all good weather days stay <laughs> good weather days. And, you know, you're up there and you're flying around and, and, and stuff happens and you find Absolutely. yourself in conditions where you haven't been trained for. Uh, and that's, to me, that's the safety issue that, that comes along with just be get, getting your private pod. I think it should, and, and, and you know. We, I think it should be required because it's not required. That's why I didn't do it. I think if you're flying and the weather's great, it can turn any minute. And it's happened to me before. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to navigate around it or land or the worst is when you take off on a Friday and it's beautiful, and then Sunday it's bad, Monday it's bad, Tuesday yeah, so it's bad. You're stuck wherever you're at. Yeah, and yeah. I, 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 you don't know how many times I've rented a car and driven up, and then had somebody else go pick the plane up. It's it's a terrible financially. It's a bad idea. Um, it's not smart because you're you're saying pretty much I can only fly when it's clear. I see you when we, you and I fly together in IMC. Yeah, and it's amazing. It. It opens a whole other window. If you're talking about freedom, I, I think it's the ultimate freedom to, to have your IFR. Yeah, because then you can not only you're not restricted to any you know those bad weather days. Right, I know, I know. Yeah, you gotta do it. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't go to maybe say you can help you me with it. You have to get it because there is a lot of people who who you know buy those little tailwheels and and just do leisure flying for good flying days and they don't have any intentions of ever flying in IMC conditions and that's fine. I just don't know any CFWIs that can help me with this. <laughs> Sitting right here. <laughs> Oh, clever, clever. Well, let's let's move on to the next point. I think we beat this one up. Yeah, so like the the journey of aviation, I guess, how to become a pilot. What's the actual, I'm going to ask you this because you're the certified flight instructor. Okay. For all our listeners out here, I am not a certified flight instructor. Okay. I'm going to say it again. I am not a CFI. I am, but I can promise you, I'll say this right off the bat, I don't know everything, so I'll try. But, no yeah. CFI does, but you... Yeah. I've talked to you. I've talked to you enough to know that you know. So if I mess up, if I mess up on anything, any of the information, the viewers catch it. I know. You, please uh, send it in. Let me know. Well, you know, they all will. Don't make me feel too bad, though, please. Do you know how you can tell if someone's a pilot? They'll tell you in the first five seconds of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'll tell you if you get it wrong. I promise. All right. <laughs> so what is the actual journey? And from a Part sixty one flight school, let's say you come into Perry Air tomorrow. You okay. take a discovery flight. Yep. What is the next step? Other than obviously bring in your TSA documents so that way. Yeah. So you're assigned an instructor from that discovery flight. And most of the time you get assigned with an instructor and you start right off the bat of the discovery flight. That's who you experience aviation for the first time. That's probably who you want to do the training with. Most of the time that's how it works. And so you get with this instructor, uh, at least a part 61 school. You guys share information and contact, and then you start to schedule your next lesson, your first ever lesson. All right, so on that first lesson, you come in, you bring all your TSA information in, and what that is, it's just verifying that you're a U.S. citizen and you can do flight training with us. And What uh, are those documents exactly? So you need your photo ID, and you need a passport or a birth certificate. And um, and then so you'd have to purchase a logbook, uh, either from us or, you know, from the flight school that you're at or from the um, from online, whichever, you know, whichever one you choose. And you bring that in, 
and the instructor will give you a TSA endorsement. And that's just saying that you could do, um, that's just saying that you could do flight in lessons with us. Right. And, um, and so then after that, you start your flight training. So the first 10 hours, 15 hours, like we were talking about before, you're pretty much prepping for solo. Um, you know, you, you go right into it and you start prepping. So you, the, the goal is to get that instructor out of the plane as fast as possible, you know, or, or at least in, until you feel comfortable. And, uh, and so that takes about, you know, 10, 15, 20 hours, depending on the student. And then you solo. And like you were saying before, that's such a huge, uh, stepping stone Huge. after you get that solo. Cause you'll realize stuff starts to ramp up after that solo. It feels like it goes downhill from there. It does. Cause it's easier. You know, yeah. and, and you just start to, after your solo, you start to get into cross countries and you do solo cross countries. And then after all, you get all your cross country time in, uh, then you start to um, do your check ride prep. And so, you know, at your 35 hour mark and you, you, the minimum flight hours to become a private pilot is 40 hours. Okay. So you're sh- obviously the, that's the minimum. The national average is somewhere around 55, 55. Yeah. What's our average? I think it's like 44, 45, somewhere around that. Yeah. It's definitely lower than the, now, I think you average. left out the written portion. So the written oh, portion yeah, has to be done. Is it done before solo? No, uh, uh, there's actually no, there's no requirement on okay. that. So you can get your, you just have to have your written done before you take a check ride. Uh, you can solo As long as you have your medical, you yeah. can solo. And I think it's I'm really sure. important for people to know too. If you have no experience in aviation, that you're written. It's yeah. just a scary word to, to state that it's like a, a, a test where you answer questions about aviation. None of that has to even be started before you first get an airplane. Yeah. But also it can't because, you know, you can get in, you can get in the, uh, then you're, you're ready, right? You're ready yeah. to take the check ride. Yeah. Cause you've got your medical, you've got your written and you are ready to take oh, a check. Medical. Ride that's right. Medical. medical. When is that? When should that be done? As soon as you start flight training, you want to go ahead and get that thing done. Uh, and don't delay it because you need that to solo. Uh, so if your goal is to solo as fast as you can, I would go ahead and have that medical done before you even start. Uh, That's but, smart. But I mean, that that goes to say that doesn't always happen. People start and then they get their medical after. And so you have to get an FAA approved doctor and you go in and they it's it's basically like a physical. Right. And you get approved. And it's a third class medical that you need for a private pilot. And uh, so you got your medical, you got your written done. And you go take that at a FAA checkpoint or whatever for to take your written exam, and then after that, um, check ride. Check time. ride. Yep, the the big important check. What everybody's scared of, but always goes sm- well. Let me knock on wood here. It usually goes smoothly. Our our I think we've had, I think we're ninety nine point five percent is our pass rate. We've had. I can only think of one person that has failed. We've had one failure. And he, then he passed the. It was like he failed on something like a VOR. And the, he went back to the DP at no additional charge. And yeah. thanks to the DP, that wasn't anybody else, but thanks to the DP, come, took him back and uh, he passed the check ride, flew like a 0. 0.5. And passed check ride is usually, though, it's usually about four hours. Is that right? Two hours, four hours? It's a long time. So there's an hour. The, the first portion is this. For people who don't know what a check ride is, it's how to get your license. The, the, you go to see a FAA approved DPE, designated pilot examiner. And uh, you go to them, and they usually have their own little office. And you, the first thing you do when you get in there is you start this oral exam. Uh, and so it's like what we're doing right now. We're sitting at a desk right across from each other. And you start. Um, he, it's not a quiz. It's a situational way. It's a conversation. It's all the practical of the actual written. Right. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. It's just a conversation. Uh, he will ask you some questions. 
you know, what kind of airspace is this? What kind of airspace is that? And so he will ask certain kind of questions, but it's all situational based and it's all uh, conversational. So you just sit there and you have a conversation with him and he kind of feels you out. If you know what you're talking about, then after that, you pass your oral um, and then you go and you do the flight portion of the check ride. Um, and so in my opinion, I was more stressed about the oral than I was the, the flight. What about me, you? Me too, but the oral felt like I did horrible on it, but come to find out, oh, I did I pretty did. good. No, I, I, I did awful on my private. I did not, my instructor, I'll be the first to tell you, did not prepare me well for my, what a check ride was. I, and I, that's the first thing that I, you should do, you know, when you're check ride prepping is explain what a check ride is and how it's going to go. I did not know you're going to be sitting one-on-one with a guy and he's going to be talking to you back and forth. And it's a conversation based oh, thing. I was well aware. I was so scared when I got there. I had I did that not oral know. exam guide and I read that thing as many times back. I was so really? good on the oral the, the actual flying part is where I I think everyone in their check ride has some part where they're, oh, I didn't do that great. So just know if you're about to take your check ride or if you're thinking about aviation, it's they're human beings, the DPs. They they just want you to be safe. And if you're safe, you're going to be you're going to be. And the great thing about the check ride when you're done, let's say it's a four hour flight, three hour flight. I don't know how long it is. About an hour and a half. It's not, yeah, it's not a lot. But the, the, so you got an hour and a half oral and an hour and a half flight, somewhere around that. But the, it depends on the DPE. So after the flight, you leave with a piece of paper that says, I am a pilot. And that's the those, best feeling ever. Yeah, those three words, I am a pilot, is all it says. Well, let's conclude it with just a main question. I think the question that every future aviator has, and this is also our least favorite question, how much does it cost to become a pilot? Um, so it all depends on the flight school and what you do. So I can talk about our rates for our flight school. We, yeah, let's do that. So, so our aircraft, first you have to air, you have to rent the airplane. So the aircraft rental costs is $134 an hour. And then the, and you have to pay for an instructor to tag along and teach you. And the instructor costs $60 an hour. Uh, there's a lot of other different options that you can choose as far as payment goes. So I think it's important that the future aviator knows you know, that every flight school is different. Right. Ours might be $134 an hour, but if you go to PDK or Atlanta, you're going to be looking oh, be way more, yeah. in the 200s an hour. And it just depends on what kind of airplane you like. If you just like a, a very clean, safe environment, you know, you come to a place like us, which is any pay, uh, Part 61 flight school in small towns, as long as they have good reviews and you feel confident, you look at the airplanes and they look like they're clean and they're in good shape. I say, Say give them a try. Yeah, there's there's so many different variables, and 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 so the hardest question to answer when when customers call is they want to know exactly how much money is it going to cost me to get my private pilot's license. So it, they, it's, they it's just need to know that it depends on them. Oh well, yeah, and it all depends on the student. It's a hard question to answer because it could be anywhere from eight, seven. Eight? Yeah, it could be about seven thousand to. Up there, if you if you take a while and you're not you know putting in the time and the effort and you only fly like once a month mm-hmm. and uh, you're not very dedicated to it and you drag it on for two three years, it could be it could be expensive. But I actually have my price what I paid on my private pilot. My How private much? pilot was ninety five hundred dollars, and the reason it was very good is because I took off so much time and I flew about twice a week. So ninety five hundred dollars is still good, I think. Yeah, because yeah. I've seen people be at twelve thousand easy. I yeah. mean, not in my experience, like going to the college, you still got to pay intuition and all that stuff. Mine was easily 12000 And yeah. I was, how many hours did you take did you take to get your check right? 44. Really? And you took the, you took that many breaks? Well, see, the thing is, when I took that That's time off, I, I, I felt like the the flying part I had. I really did. I really felt like that. It was the, 
what kept me behind was the the written and all those things. But I, I think what's important to, to take away from this is it's so hard for us to answer. It's not we don't want it. It's not that we don't answer it because we're hiding charges. It's one thirty four an hour. You're going to need at least forty hours, usually with thirty five to forty hours with the instructor, and then you got some solo time. So you're going to pay that you know sixty dollars an hour for the instructor. And then you got the DPE cost, which is anywhere from five hundred to seven hundred and fifty dollars for your check ride. You've got materials, which usually go around two hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And then you know, if you want to get a logbook, a cool flight bag, things like that, that gets up there too. And there's other ways to do it. There's accelerated flight schools, and we have an accelerated flight school now that uh, we just started here this year, and it's we have a special going, but it's fourteen thousand five hundred dollars to get your to get your private pilot's license in thirty days. So. There's endless ways to do it. You just have to know it's yeah. expensive. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that talking about that accelerated thing, um, that, in my opinion, is is an amazing route to go if you are one of those people who want to get this thing done. So you can start your travel at your leisure, carrying passengers, flying across the world. If you want to start that as soon as possible, there's a lot of different accelerated options that you can do. And it's instead, you'll know exactly what you're going to pay. You don't, you take yep. out, you take out that, uh, gamble of it being either, you know, like you paid 9,400, you take out that gamble of it being 16,000 because of, You're so right. you know, you, you know exactly what it's going to cost because we pay for the check ride. You know, we, we cover a lot of different stuff and you get one instructor who mm-hmm. his only student is you and you get one plane that's dedicated to you at all times. That's how most accelerated courses work. And you know, we, we stick by that guideline 100%. The reason we're able to price it. So when people come in, they say, well, how much, I just want to pay for it right now at Perrier. I just want to pay for a a private Private pilot's license. license. And, you know, some people, you know, I'm ready to put down $10,000 right now. And if, if, since we know you're flying out of these next 30 days, eight to five, Monday through Friday or whatever, Mm -hmm. we can then calculate that it'll be around fourteen, thirteen, twelve thousand dollars. So we charge fourteen thousand dollars. We have the twenty five percent special, which is eleven thousand two forty nine. Right. It's it's if you know, if you said you came to Cody and you said, Cody, I want to get my private pilot's license and this how many days I'm gonna fly, this how often I'm gonna fly, these are my abilities and how often I've flown before, it'd be easy for him to calculate. But when you come and you ask a flight school how much will it cost, it is one of the most difficult questions to answer. It is. Because it's a very, it's a vague question. You just don't. The, the best way, yeah. But the best way to explain it is it's one hundred thirty-four dollars an hour and sixty dollars instructor fee. Yep. So yeah, that's the best way to explain it. Uh, another thing before we sign off, um, just an idea that came to me, and, and I want to ask the viewers, you know, if we have any, uh, to. I was thinking, you know, we were talking about a check ride, and uh, we didn't go really in depth to how that check ride went. Uh, you know, if on the next episode anybody wants to hear how a check ride works. We just had a student pass his private pilot check ride today. He just got back here. Actually, I think I just heard him walk in and, um, on our next episode, we could interview a student on, um, on how exactly a check ride works for those people who are interested, who's never experienced it. And, uh, I think it's very important to understand how those check rides work. And, um, I, I, I think it would be cool. I think it'd be a fun episode. And if, if that's, that does that. sound like a fun time, let's do that. Let's do that for our next episode. And if anybody, any of our viewers would like to have other questions that, that in aviation that we can answer call us call us all right what's the number alex 478-284-0880 and you'll reach perry air flight school aircraft rental open eight to five monday through friday saturday eight to five sunday by appointment only if you go to our website it's perryairflight.com sounds like we're in a commercial i know i know so great you can also visit our 
You can also go to our accelerated flight school, which is FastTrackAir.com. All right, we're signing off here. See you next time. This concludes our episode of Flight Following. You can visit our website at PerryAirFlight.com, or you can give us a call at 478-284-0880. Give us a call. Drop us an email at info at PerryAirFlight.com for our next episode if you guys have any other questions or anything you'd like us to talk about. We'd love to hear from you. Alex, signing off. Cody signing off. See ya.